2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not
0: available in all states or situations.
1: Hey everyone, this is the Leco, and you're listening to the Bills episode of the 2018 Team Preview Series, a special edition of roto Radio. Our guest today is Chris Trapasso. He is an NFL draft writer for CBS Sports and a Bills contributor to the Buffalo News. In this episode, he talks about who we can expect to start the season at quarterback and how long it will take until Josh Allen takes over that position. We then transition over to the receivers and tight ends and discuss what we can expect from a group of wide receivers who are all high draft picks and a tight end in clay who's been consistent year in and year out. Finally, we look at LaShawn McCoy and Chris explains the likely workload in his age 30 season. After the interview, we'll take a few minutes to think about what Chris said, and we'll be looking at the passing game numbers using some of the RotoViz apps. And we take a dive into Shady McCoy's 2018 Outlook. For those of you who don't know, RotoViz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. And now, let's bring on the guest. Please welcome our guest today. His name is Chris Trapasso. He's an NFL draft writer for CBS Sports and a Bills contributor to the Buffalo News. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you back. We have an interesting situation going on with the Bills. They made the playoffs last year, but then made a lot of changes on the offense. Some offensive linemen are gone. you got a new quarterback. Lots of changes. What What do you think is reasonable expectations for the Bills for this upcoming year?
3: Well, I think kind of like we saw last season, they are still going to be a team that's going to be pretty dependent on their running game and on their defense. I mean, Sean McDermott spent many years in Carolina. Um, you know certainly wasn't the guy that was picking the player that was partially Brandon Bean who was an assistant GM there who's now the GM in Buffalo Um, but Sheldon just did a great job scheming that uh, defense in Carolina and I think last year and I really am not the only one who thinks this um, that last year the Bills defense really overachieved they didn't Mm necessarily have tons of star players or household names at every level of the defense, but they got 10 interceptions out of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde both. So I think we're going to see a similar team on defense, and and, and that's really going to be the strength of the team. There's a lot more depth on that side of the ball now that this new regime has had a full offseason or another offseason to kind of add that depth. But it will look a little different in the passing game because Tyrod Taylor's offense was all about not turning the ball over, and maybe not making some of those risks or taking those risks um, that could lead to some bigger plays. Uh, I think we will see more interceptions. We'll see a higher interception rate, obviously. Tyra Taylor had one of the lowest in the league last three seasons. Um, But we probably should see more big plays, um, although this is a receiving core that's not necessarily, at least at first, going to really threaten defenses and defensive coordinators in their game planning early on. This will be a team that, you know, coming into December will be a team um, that will be in the AFC wild card hunt. I know there's a lot of people that think that they're the worst team in the league. They're going to go 2-14. and 14. I just think with what this defense can do, um, that alone will help them at least get to five or six wins. And with, you know, a few bounces here or there, it could be 6-10 and 10, or it could be 9-7 again.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a really good point about the defense too because a, a solid defense and a good running game – can really, yeah, like you said, it keeps you in all those games. You're going to be in a lot of one-score games, and you never really know how those are going to shake out. Now, you've got a, a new offensive coordinator. How do you think he will shape the the running game? So for the last three years, the Bills have run the ball more than passed the ball. Do you expect that to continue?
3: I don't know if we're going to see that same dynamic on offense this year. I mean, to me, Brian Dable, the Bills' new offensive coordinator, is kind of the X factor above you know, any player um, on this bill's team in 2018, because he's been an offensive coordinator in the league was not very successful, but it was a long time ago. We did not have a lot of talent um, when he was in Cleveland, when he was in Kansas city. Um, But he did spend last year at Alabama, kind of learning the run pass option, um, a a lot of shotgun, a lot of pistol. I think the offense is certainly going to be based on the run just because of LaShawn McCoy and their situation at quarterback that they don't really have, um, really anyone. I mean, whether it be Josh Allen, uh, Nate Peterman or Adrian McCarron that is coming in as an established player at that position. But I do like, I don't think this is going to be a team that's going to pass it 15 times a game and try to run it 50 times a game. I think that we are going to see more of what we saw from the bills in terms of the type of running game that what we saw when, uh, the Bills had Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. A lot more old school power running with, you know, pulling guard, lead blockers. Rick Dennison last year was kind of, you know, from that Mike Shanahan tree, that it was a lot of inside outside zone, it wasn't really the best fit for the Bills offensive line. Mm-hmm. And Brian Dable, I mean, a lot of coaches say this now, but I I do believe Brian Dable and that he's gone on the record to the media saying, you know, I'm not a, a zone offensive coordinator, I'm not a power offensive coordinator, we're going to kind of you know, mix and match with you know, the type of personnel that they have up front and at the running back spot. So certainly I, I do think they will be one of the run-heavier teams in the league, but I don't know if, if we're going to see like 55% running and 45% passing. I think this is going to be kind of a boom and bust passing offense um, and certainly a team that does like to lean on the run uh, quite a bit.
1: Right. So obviously the passing game relies on on someone to distribute that football. How would you handicap it at this point? I mean, the Bills traded up to the seventh spot to land Josh Allen. Then they they also, of course, signed Adrian McCarron to a two-year deal. And then you still have Nate Peterman, who infamously threw those five interceptions in that first half of that Chargers game. What do you think happens to start the year as far as the person behind center? And then how long until that might change?
3: Yeah, my uh, prediction a while ago was that Nathan Peterman would be the starter week one. Sean McDermott, a lot of other coaches, the and Brandon Bean have all said that they really respect the fact that uh, Nathan Peterman didn't just go into a shell after those five interceptions in the first half of that game. Um, And from everything that I've heard, he's actually a a very good practice player. And that was the case uh, last season, even after that Chargers game. He came in in that snow game when Tyro Taylor was hurt against the Colts through a touchdown pass that was very integral in the Bills winning that game, which helped them uh, make the playoffs. So I think just because his coaching staff knows him for a year longer than they know AJ McCarron, and they know that they want Josh Allen to be the long-term answer and don't want to rush him necessarily. I do think Peterman will start. I do find it interesting though, that Josh Allen has moved from playing with the threes in training camp to this past week running with the twos um, and I think, you know, if Nate Peterman and A.J. McCarron in these next two preseason games, the second and the third, just look really bad and, and Josh Allen continues to kind of wow with, with what he can do down the field, then there's an outside chance that he'll start. But if you look at the beginning of the Bills' schedule, um, at Baltimore, home against the Chargers, at Minnesota, at Green Bay, that's a really tough start to the season. That is a especially tough for start. a rookie quarterback.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah, especially for a rookie quarterback and someone like Josh Allen that everyone kind of... Um, will say that, you know, he needs time to, you know, kind of learn, even if it is from the sideline. So I I think Nathan Peterman will start week one. And by week five, they have a home game against the Titans, which is certainly not an easy game. But that seems like a time where if the Bills do have a losing record, which I would be surprised if they didn't. Or yeah, if, if, with you know, that tough schedule, yeah, for sure. Be, yeah. I think two and two would be a tremendous start to the year for the Bills. But that week five game seems like – um kind of a sweet spot for when Josh Allen could take over and certainly with just what he can do with his arm strength and his mobility to kind of change the overall philosophy for what the Bills want to do on offense
1: yeah no I think that makes a lot of sense uh looking at that schedule I think it could give them a nice excuse to to make that switch too if there's there's been some struggles uh let's switch over to the wide receivers and, and tight ends because that's where you know, whoever is playing quarterback will be looking a lot of the time. A lot of changes since the beginning of last year. Made two <laughs> trades for two former first-round picks last season, in the middle of the season, bringing Calvin Benjamin over. And then not too long ago, trading for Corey Coleman. We also have a couple other receivers, Jeremy Curley, Zay Jones. It seems to me that Calvin Benjamin is, is pretty established as the one. What do you think that means as far as target share for him? And then what do you think will happen with these other guys? Is Corey Coleman someone that they're hoping... I know you you've mentioned that he might play like a Ted Ginn-type role... What do you think happens with the wide receivers in Buffalo this year?
3: Well, I think you can make no mistake about it but, that this is one of the least uh, threatening wide receiver groups in the NFL. I think adding Corey Coleman, like you said, former first round pick, um, and just with the speed that he has, he ran 4.37 and 4.40 at his pro day two years ago. So that speed and just that, that overall talent, I think, will add a little bit more of a threatening element. Uh, to what the Bills can do through the air, Calvin Benjamin is probably someone that that is certainly going to have the highest target share um, among the wide receivers. But I think Charles Clay, um, their uh, number one tight end, is someone that can't really be forgotten about. Right, he is one of the rare three down tight ends, and um, that he's a pretty good blocker too. So the Bills don't have to kind of tip their hand as to what they're doing when he's on the field. Um, so I think he'll eat, eat into that. Shady McCoy got a target, uh, target last year for a running back. Um, I don't know if they're going to use him that much in the passing game. Brian Dable hasn't really made it as um, as high of a priority as Rick Dennison has, at least when speaking uh, to the media in terms of getting um, him involved in the passing game. And yeah, I think with Corey Coleman, and this is you know a regime that is led by two former Carolina Panthers Um, employees that saw what someone like Ted can do with a quarterback that has a really strong arm that can stretch the, uh, the uh, opposing defenses vertically. And I think that's what they want from, from Corey Coleman and what they really expect. I don't think he's someone that they think is going to catch 60 or 70 passes, but if he catches anywhere from 25 to 45 passes and, and, you know, hits a few big uh, plays each game or, or, say, every other game, then that will be perfectly fine for that. I think uh, Jeremy Curley is exactly what you kind of expect from him at this point. We know what we're going to get with him um, in that he's a reliable slot guy. He's not going to drop a lot of passes. He's probably in line um, for maybe even getting the second most targets at the wide receiver spot. Just because Zay Jones had such a disappointing rookie season, had a kind of a troubling offseason as well, Sean McDermott did draft him, did trade up in the second round in last year's draft him. so I don't think the Bills are ready to trade him or cut him or anything like that, um, but until he really shows that he can li- uh, live up to that illustrious career that he had at East Carolina, I think he could actually be in line for the third most targets among these Bills wide receivers.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, It, it is an interesting position for the Bills because you've seen some some former Bills players have a ton of success now um, guys like, mm-hmm. like Watkins and Marquise Goodwin and, and Woods, and and now you have a bunch of high talented guys as far as draft capital, a couple of first rounders, a second rounder. So yeah, it, it's a really interesting position, and it'll be, I think it'll be fun to see once Josh Allen is in there what he can do with this receiving core, and to see if he can get get the best out of them. Um, he he looks super exciting yeah, in that game.
3: Thing, one other one other thing that I want to mention um, about this that I that I find fascinating just before you move on to your on next question that when cam newton won the mvp in 2015 and i'm certainly not anywhere near a prediction for josh allen having that type of season or even the start to his career that cam newton had but in 2015 when when cam newton really was the unquestioned mvp um he did not have kelvin benjamin kelvin benjamin tore his acl in august the panthers leading receiver was greg Olson. they had philly brown they had brenton burson um, they had Ted Ginn, so that was a team that after Calvin Benjamin went down, everyone thought that the Panthers' passing game was just going to be a total disaster. Who are they going to throw the football to? And they did what has kind of been the theme of this interview and is kind of the philosophy that I think Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have brought north from Carolina to Buffalo: play good defense, run the football, use your uh, quarterback in some running situations, and then be very robust. On offense, Cam Newton was not completing sixty five percent of his passes that year, but for pretty much every three and out or you know turnover or or bad pass, seemingly he was hitting touch in for a seventy yard touchdown exactly or yeah. converting in third downs to Greg Olson. Do I think that type of efficiency is in the cards this season for the bills? Certainly not, but I think that's what the bills kind of want to do on offense and just how they want their entire team to run. And I don't think they're necessarily a team that cares that they don't have, you know, superstars at the wide receiver position. They have a reliable veteran tight end. Um, they have the big target in Benjamin and then someone that can stretch the field in Corey Coleman.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it, it could look very similar, similar blueprint. Uh, now we talked about the running game a little bit here. So let's let's switch over to the running back spot. Talk about LaShawn McCoy now. I think we obviously have to start with, you know, the elephant in the room. Do do you think um, McCoy plays 16 games this year, if if healthy? I think
3: he will. Um, It's actually interesting that earlier this week, um, his ex-girlfriend that was the one that was, um, you know, the subject of all these off-field legal issues with McCoy um, filed a lawsuit against him didn't directly name him in any of the domestic violence um, incidents that have supposedly happened, but she did file the lawsuit. And then Brandon Bean, the bills GM said, you know, anything thus far that has happened has not affected his status with the bills whatsoever. So they seemingly, um, you know, are, are on his side in terms of anything legally happening. And I think being this close to the season, a lot would have to happen quickly and, the justice system in this country does not necessarily happen that fast, Um, but I think it would have already had to have happened for the league to then investigate and decide on a justifiable discipline for McCoy. Had he, you know, faced any, you know, serious consequences in court. So I, I do think that unless, and this certainly could bleed into, into the season, but I think at this point and just, Given the Bills' very strong stance on his side, I would be surprised um, if he's, you know, suspended at any point during the season.
1: Yeah, and and like you said, the Bills are they're 100% behind him and believe in him. Yeah, I, so it's it's difficult to imagine that the Bills would do anything if there was no legal reason to do that. Uh, now McDermott says that that as far as age goes, because Lashawn did just turn that dreaded 30 years old in July, he said age won't affect his touches. And if you look at the last couple of years, he's, Michelle McCoy has been one of the the workhorses in the NFL. He had uh, 287 carries last season, 59 receptions. The year before that, he had 284 touches. What do you think is in store for him this year? Do you still think he's going to be getting that much work? Or do you think the Bills will want to give Ivory or or Marcus Murphy, their their second year back, a little bit more involvement in the running game?
3: I think he'll be close to where he's been. um, And it just makes sense for the Bills with, kind of like you mentioned, that McCoy is 30 and with how much they're paying him to just run him into the ground, so to speak. Um, but I, I do think, and from what I've heard, they really do like what they've seen from Marcus Murphy, um, who went to Missouri, was drafted in the seventh round a couple of years back. And I'm not certainly not going to say that he has the same skill set as McCoy, but they're similar backs in that they're very shifty. They have good vision. Um, and I think if Marcus Murphy continues to play well in the preseason, like he showed in the first week, and like he's really demonstrated throughout the entire training camp, he's someone that kind of, like I mentioned earlier, turn into McCoy's snaps on third downs, um, could kind of be that, that extra wide receiver in five, um, in five light sets. So I, I don't know if we're going to see another 280 to 300 touch season from McCoy, because I do think that they'll want to keep him fresh for later in the season. Um, and I, I do think that finally they have someone, I mean, had Mike told her it was their primary backup last season. That was a totally different skill set than Shady McCoy, but to have Marcus Murphy and to have Chris Ivory in those short yardage situations um, that can be really punishing on a rush back, but those are kind of set up now to kind of scale back McCoy to keep him fresh throughout the season.
1: And what do you think that means as far as, as touches? Do you think he still gets that, you know, 15 to 18 carries a game or touches a game, or, or do you think that could go down at 12 to 14?
3: Um, I I still think he's a 15 to 18 touch guy. I mean, like you mentioned, he's been one of the true workhorses or the old school, you know, feature backs in the, um, over the past couple of seasons in Buffalo where there were stretches that he was getting over 20 carries a game, which is right. a lot in today's So, yeah, I think whether that be, you know, 13 carries and four or five catches. But I, I don't think the Bills will scale him back that far because Marcus Murphy is unproven. And Chris Ivory, like you mentioned, with McCoy being thirty, I mean, he's up there in age as well. But I think those two have their own niche roles. And over the past few years, I mean, three years ago now, Mike Gillisley was a very capable backup that, that did help McCoy in that running game. But the Bills are running it a lot. But last season they just were not in a situation or in a position with their running back room that they could kind of take the gas off with McCoy and, and, and put in Mike Tolbert because in those situations um, there was just such a drastic drop-off in what the run game was able to do from a production standpoint. But I think they're a little better suited this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. They definitely have made some upgrades there. Uh, just a final question before, before I let you go here. Um, we mentioned uh, McCoy's age. Uh, and I, looking at the numbers last year, he was far less efficient on a per-run basis than, than he has been in his career. Do you think that's a sign of things to come? Yeah, that's a good question. I think he's
3: going to end up being, in terms of a, a per-touch um, efficiency, a per-carry efficiency, somewhere between where he was last year, 4.1, and then uh, 2016 when he was 5.2, um, just because I think the offensive scheme will fit him a little bit better. I mean, he's kind of one of those backs that it seemingly doesn't matter what what type of blocking scheme he's in um but i think in when he was in philadelphia with Andy Reid, they had one of the better offensive lines of the week and had him and you know that group was very mobile could move very well that's why i think he flourished in more of a zone scheme there and then like i said in 2015 and 2016 where there was a lot of lead blockers it was kind of new for him or he hadn't really been in that style of offense in a while, but the Bills had the personnel up front to do that. Last year, especially early, the Bills really were were set up to kind of punish people in man-to-man situations, and they were trying to stretch everyone laterally, and that just was not the best fit. When you watch the film, especially from the first few games of last season, there was not a lot of running room, and there were games where McCoy would have, say, you know, 3.8 3.8 yards per carry, but he looked like he ran for a lot yeah. more than that. it was a lot better. Yeah. He was still making guys miss. So I That's don't, really I don't know if we're ever going to see him where he was a few years ago, but if Brian Dable does stay true to what he said and will kind of mix and match um, and use more, you know, they still have Patrick DeMarco, who's one of the better lead blockers um, at the fullback spot in the league. Um, I think that having that lead blocker will be a little bit, uh, more beneficial to McCoy this season. So somewhere 4.2 to 4.4, 4.5, which is obviously still a pretty good average. And then with what I think is a little bit scaled back in terms of his workload, I think that obviously will help him stay relatively efficient. And certainly, you know, obviously fantasy owners want to see him in the end zone more. I do think Chris Ivory will eat into some goal line work, Uh, but in the red zone with what he can do, um out of the backfield making guys miss. I I still think that we will see McCoy, you know, on the field inside the 10, but maybe not
1: when the Bills are on the Yeah, line that the makes guys. a lot of sense. It's, it's gonna be an interesting season uh, for the Bills. I can't wait to see Josh Allen out there. I think he's super exciting. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you. Hey sports fans, football season's here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie.
1: Welcome back to the show. Now as you know, the NFL season is quickly approaching, and you need to get ready for it with a subscription to Rotoviz NFL Pass, which you can get right now for 30% off. This discount is for listeners of the podcast only, and it's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotovizcom forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and best of all, it supports the podcast. Again, be sure to get your 30% off discount for an NFL pass at Rhodoviz.com forward slash podcast. Alright, so let's analyze what Chris told us during that interview. Let's start at the quarterback position where he explained to us that he believes the coaching staff wants to give Nathan Peterman the first crack at the job, given that he's been in the system a full year and shook off that really rough start to his career in that five interception game. But the Bills have a very difficult schedule to start the year. As Chris said, they play the Ravens, the Chargers, the Vikings, and the Packers to start off. Those are four really tough opponents, and Peterman could really struggle in those games, which could provide a nice opportunity for Josh Allen to see the field in week five at home against the Titans, as Chris suggested. Now, The quarterback position for the Bills isn't one that we're going to want to put a lot of stock in for this football season. Chris said it'll likely be similar to what the Carolina Panthers did, where we'll see a lot of boom or bust plays once Josh Allen is in there. He said that the interceptions and turnovers might increase now that Tyrod Taylor is gone, who was very efficient from those standpoints. But he said there might be some more explosive plays down the field with Corey Coleman trying to stretch the field. So there could be some weeks where the starting quarterback for the Bills puts up decent enough streaming options. And I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen becomes a streamer at one point or another during the year. But given what Chris told us about the offense, the learning curve, and the lack of explosive weapons in the receiving core, I think it's safe to say we can pass on the quarterback position, even in two quarterback leagues. I don't think you need to take a flyer on any of these guys. Let them stay in your waiver wire and watch them. And if you want to stream Josh Allen later, if he ends up finding a nice connection with Corey Coleman or Kelvin Benjamin, which we'll get into, feel free to do so. But for now, let them go. Let us talk about the wide receivers in tight end position, as there's a lot of intrigue here. As we all know, Calvin Benjamin and Cam Newton had their little spat the other day, and Kelvin Benjamin followed it up with receiving a nice touchdown down the sideline. We can certainly hope that a lot of that is in store for him this year, but what is realistic to project from this position? Well, in order to try to decipher what might take place, I went ahead and used the projection machine to analyze the targets from the quarterback position and looking where he'll likely distribute the football. Now, as Chris and I mentioned, over the last three years, the Bills have been primarily a running football team, running the ball well over the amount that they pass the ball, and one of the more rush-heavy teams in the league. And Chris thinks that will continue, that they'll run the ball more than most, but he thinks that the passing game could increase just a little bit. So let's look at the target distribution for some of the focal point options in this passing game. Primarily Kelvin Benjamin, Charles Clay, and then some of the secondary and tertiary receivers. Kelvin Benjamin is a receiver according to the projection machine that is likely to see a lot of targets in this Bills offense. I have him at about a 20% target share where he'll receive about 97 targets which will equate to about 59 receptions for 840 yards and seven touchdowns that's not an incredible stat line but i think it's a little better than we think it might be that would equate to 126 standard points and 184 ppr points which would have put him in last year's standings right around wide receiver 23 in standard and 25 in ppr so he according to the projection machine will finish the season as a low-end wide receiver too. Someone that you should feel very comfortable playing in three receiver leagues or in a flex position in a PPR league. Yet he's being drafted as a wide receiver 44 or wide receiver 43 in standard and PPR respectively. So you can see there's a lot of value with Kelvin Benjamin this year. So he is currently being drafted in about the 10th round but I think given the production that we should expect with that 20% target share, he should be drafted around the 6th round. Charles Clay, I actually have slated at a 19% target share, which is just about where he was at last year as well, which would result in 60 receptions for 626 yards and about 3 touchdowns. This would have been good enough last year for tight end 13, with 80.6 standard points and 139.7 PPR points. Charles Clay isn't being drafted in most formats, yet he's a tight end that can provide good value late in drafts if you want to wait on the tight end position. His numbers for the year don't have a high ceiling. I don't think he could put up high-end tight end one numbers given the state of this offense. However, as Chris suggested, he will be targeted heavily. He's going to be involved on three downs on most series, and he's going to get a lot of work. So, targeting him as a late round pick to fill your tight end spot is not a bad idea. Zay Jones, Jeremy Curley, and Corey Coleman are other wide receivers that are interesting to look at, but on a weekly basis, I don't think any of them are going to see the volume needed to be relevant in drafts. As Chris said, most of the targets are going to go to Charles Clay, Calvin Benjamin, and LaShawn McCoy, and there's not going to be a whole lot else for the other wide receivers. Now, Corey Coleman is a boom or bust type wide receiver. As Chris suggested, he might see one or two big shots down the field a game, and he'll likely convert on a few of those throughout the course of the season. We have him projected for 40 receptions, for 501 yards, and two touchdowns, which would be a player that is well outside the top 40 at his position and someone that I wouldn't be drafting this year. Now, one of the players that many analysts are terrified of this year is LaShawn McCoy, and for many reasons. One, you've got the legal issues that have yet to be sorted out, but then also, as we mentioned, LaShawn McCoy just turned 30 years old in July, and that's a scary number for running backs. That's the age when many of them see a decline in production, and it's difficult to know what to expect going forward. I asked Chris, did he think the decrease in efficiency was based on his age last year, or was it because of the offense? And he seemed to think that it was because of the offense, and he believed that as the season progressed, he was able to get more comfortable with the offense as things were changing. And now with the new offensive coordinator, he really believes that his efficiency and productivity will increase. He also said, however, that his workload might increase. And instead of getting those 18 to 20 touches a game, it might be more realistic To expect 15 carries a game with a few receptions. So again, I use the projection machine to kind of get a good idea of what we can expect from LeSean McCoy because so many different people have varying opinions on the player and it'd be good to see what we can really expect from him this year. The machine projects 240 carries for 1,020 yards, which would be right about a 4.2, 4.3 yards per carry average and 6 touchdowns. Along with that, we expect him to get about 43 receptions for 408 yards and an extra two touchdowns. As you can see, both of these projections are decreases in volume from the last couple of years from a touches perspective. But what does that leave him in the running back ranks? Well, those numbers would be good enough for 153 standard points and 195 PPR points which puts him right about running back 15-16 in both formats. Interesting enough, that's exactly where he's being drafted according to ADP. He's the 15th running back off the board in standard, the 16th in PPR, and being taken 27th overall. Therefore, I think Lashawn McCoy is being drafted at the right spot. I know a lot of people are nervous about him, and I think there's a reason for that. I do not think he'll finish... As the number seven running back, like he did last year, but these projections build in a decrease in overall touches, but a slight increase in production. Now, his total fantasy points for the year will be less, most likely, than last year, according to the projection machine, but he's still a running back that can help your football team out, especially in the late third round, early fourth round, which is where he is currently going. Now, If it were me, I probably wouldn't take him in the third. I'd like to wait to the fourth round to see if he slips there because he does fall in a lot of drafts and he can be available to you late. But he's a running back with a proven track record on the field of productivity and touchdowns. I thought it was interesting that Chris said that Ivory might take over some of that goal line work. But again, he said within the 10 yard line, we can likely still see LaShawn McCoy. It's only when the ball gets right to that one or two yard line that we'll see Ivory in there. And I don't think that's enough to scare me off. From the touchdown perspective. I think McCoy will have a solid year and a player that can definitely help your fantasy outlook in 2018. And that's going to do it for the Bills episode of the 2018 of Radio Team Preview Series. I want to thank Chris Trapasso for joining us on the show today. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. And again, my name is Stéphane Lacoe. You can find me at Stéphane Leco. We want to thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the 2018 Team Preview Series. Our assistant executive producer is Colm Kelly and our executive producer is Matthew Friedman. Please rate and review the RotoViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Radio. And remember, you can always support the podcast by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the RotoViz Radio homepage, which you can find at rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.